Well, bless God. When he said that I was going to come and go where I wanted to go, I got a thought about Star Trek. Can you remember that program? They went where no one had ever been before. Well, I'm going to go where people have been before. By the way, if you come into the uh, funeral service, and it would be great if as many as possible can come, you are all invited to Billingham Synthonia after for refreshments, after the funeral service. In a few weeks' time, we'll be celebrating the, uh, the first coming of the Saviour of the world. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And no doubt during this Christmas time and in the lead up to Christmas, we will be hearing the stories of Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and Herod and the wise men. There are two people I often call the forgotten, forgotten people of Christmas or the forgotten people of the Christmas story. And there were two elderly people by the name of Simeon and Anna. The Bible tells us that they were waiting for the consolation of Israel. They were waiting for the Messiah to be born. They knew that the promised Messiah was at the doors and ready to come. And the Bible tells us that they were both waiting for his coming. In fact, Simeon, it had been told to Simeon that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah, until he had seen the Saviour of the world. Simeon and Anna, they weren't the only ones waiting for the Messiah to come. In fact, Bible historians, they tell us that at that time, there was hundreds and thousands of is people in Israel who were like Anna and Simeon, waiting for the Messiah to come. There was an expectation and an anticipation that was in Israel at that time that was almost palatable, that the Messiah was coming that the saviour that was long promised in the scriptures was about to come. And then he came. In the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a woman. At the right time, he came. He came when everything was ready. You know, friends, God's got a perfect time. The Bible says, at the fullness of time, when the time was right, he came. There were roads that the Romans had built that would take the gospel to the then known world. There was one language, universal language, that the whole world was speaking, and that was Greek. So everybody would hear the good news of the gospel. And at the right time, he came. And over two millenniums have passed since that first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here we are again, 
we're approaching another Christmas time. And I believe that the events that we are witnessing, the, the events that we witnessed last year, the events that we are still witnessing as we speak here today, I really believe, friends, they all speak to us of one thing. One event that I believe now is closer than it's ever been before. And it's to this event that I want us to focus our attention this morning. And as Lucas said, I've entitled this message, The King is Coming. Jesus Christ is returning to this earth. The Bible tells us that on the Mount of Olives that day when he ascended back into heaven, as they watched him go, two men stood with them. Said, you men of Galilee, why are you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus will so come in like manner as you've seen him go. The word of God plainly declares that Jesus is coming again. Behold, I am coming in the clouds and every eye will see me. Paul writes in, to the Corinthian church, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. That trump will sound and Christ will return. He will return in the air. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, For this we say unto you, that we who are alive and remain will not prevent those going who are already who have already died for the dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we shall ever be with the Lord the question I want to ask this morning is this is the same expectation the same excitement that was present when the Lord came again came the first time are you living today with that same excitement that same anticipation as we find ourselves living in the last and closing days of time days that are preceding the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I really believe that the message to Paul, Paul's message to the church in Rome, is applicable for us to take heed to today. Paul writes this to the church in Rome, and do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up. Church, I want to say the hour has already come for us to wake up. It's already here. We're not waiting for it. The hour has already come for us to wake up. For, for, wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is coming. 
and it's almost here. So let us put off the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Can I say this is not a time for us to be sleeping? This is not a time for us to be drifting through our Christian life. This is not a time for us to be cold or half-hearted or lukewarm. It's not a time for us to stop coming to church. It's not a time for us to stop praying. It's not a time for us to stop tithing. This is a time. It is high time, Paul writes, that you woke up out of sleep. The hour is late. The day is almost here. The night is nearly over. And by, we are living in a dark day. This is the midnight hour. This is the time when a cry is going out. The bridegroom is coming. This is not a time to be messing around. It's dark, friends. The days are dark. But I want to say the dawn is about to break. The Bible says when he comes, he will come as a thief in the night. And the world will be totally unprepared for his coming. The world will not be ready for the coming again of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Those ten virgins that Jesus spoke about in that parable, he said, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. They were all asleep when the bridegroom was tarrying. But at midnight, there was a cry went out, behold, the bridegroom comes. And it says, all those virgins woke up. Even the five wise, they were asleep. And I, I want to say, friends, for a long time, the church has been asleep. We've all slumbered and slept. But a cry is going out today, the bridegroom is coming. And what we are doing whilst we are waiting for the coming again of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ is preparing, making ourselves ready, because the Bible says we ought to be ready for his coming. That day will take the world totally unaware, but it should not take us unaware. In fact, the Bible tells us that that day will not take us unaware. It ought not to. The Bible is a book of prophecy. Over a quarter of verses in the Bible contain a prediction about the future. Over a quarter. Putting all those prophetic scriptures together, there are some 737 separate forecasts about future events. 737 forecasts. Some are mentioned only once. Others are mentioned hundreds of times. From those 737 different forecasts, from Genesis to Revelation, concerning the future, 594 
over 80% have already come true. The remaining 143 deal with the end of the world and the return of Jesus Christ. If we take into account the 594 that have come true, they've already come to pass. The Bible has got 100% accuracy. I want to tell you, friends, the Bible can be trusted. This is God's Word, and the Word of God can be trusted. It gives us tremendous confidence to believe that the 143 that are yet to be fulfilled will be fulfilled just as the Bible says. No wonder Peter said we have a more sure word of prophecy. And it's all in here. It's all here. Friends, this book can be relied upon. It's the word of the living God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And this book is being played out before the eyes of the world. It's being played out before your eyes and my eyes. The tragedy is the world cannot see it. It's amazing, I think, that people would rather consult mediums, clairvoyants, astrologers, look at their stars, all kinds of satanic rigmarole. They would rather consult that than consult what the Bible has to say about the future. People are asking the question today, what's happening in the world? Or what's happening to the world? People are worried about what's happening. What's happening? We are living in a different world now than we lived in only two years ago. And maybe is it only a year ago we are living in a different world. And if th things are not getting any better. They're getting worse and worse, but the Bible says it will. It says in the last days things will get worse and worse. Friends, if you are looking for things to get better, they're not going to get better. They're going to get a lot worse. And people are asking, what's happening to the world? Maybe the question should be, not what's happening to the world, but who's coming to the world. Because all these things point to one thing. The return of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And the second coming will catch the world unprepared. It's midnight and it's time to wake up. Jesus gave us signs to look for. Signs that would announce his soon return. He gave signs, didn't he, when he came the first time. He signposted where the, the, the Christ child would be born. The Messiah. But you, Bethlehem, of Ephrathah, there's two Bethlehems, one up in Galilee, one down in Judea. And the prophet Micah had already pinpointed where he would be born. Herod had to get the scribes and the wise men 
to find out, look in the scriptures to find out when the wise men came. He got them to look where the, the, the Christ child would be born, the Messiah. You Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are least amongst all the tribes of Judah, out of you will come a governor, a ruler, who shall govern and rule my people Israel. That's why the Spirit sent the wise men to um, Bethlehem. Because the prophet had already indicated where it would be. A virgin shall conceive, bring forth a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. God was giving signs. To the shepherds he said, this will be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. As we heard from the film the other night, that's the, what they cleaned the lambs up with when they were born. He was laid in swaddling clothes, laid, wrapped in them, and laid in a manger. Friends, concerning his second coming, the Lord Jesus has given signs. The Word of God gives signs as to the approaching when it becomes very near to his return. Jesus talked about a pregnant woman. He said when a pregnant woman, when, when the waters break, you know that the birth is almost here. For nine months she can go and then the waters will break and when those waters break, you know that the birth is imminent. He talked about the, the weather. He said you can discern the, the signs that are in the sky. He talked about the leaves changing in autumn. Talked about the fig tree. When the leaves change their colour, you know that autumn is almost here. And I believe, friends, we are seeing signs that Jesus spoke about that are taking place right before our very eyes. It's not for us to know the time or the season when he will come. Although some eminent scholars really believe, and I personally do, we haven't got time to look at it this morning, that he will come during the Feast of Tabernacles. <coughs> Jesus is fulfilled in the feasts. Tabernacles takes place late September, beginning of October. And I believe that that will be the season for his return. Might be wrong, but we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the signs that are taking place. Signs that Jesus told us to look out for. And I want to say, friends, these signs that Jesus told us to look out for there's been these signs for the last 2,000 years in some form or other. But what we are seeing is an acceleration of all those signs. We are seeing those signs beginning to accelerate. The voice of the signs are getting louder and louder announcing the return of Jesus Christ. There's a conversions of these signs that are happening in the earth today. What did Jesus say what, what about these signs? He said, men's hearts will be failing them for fear. 
Do you know heart attacks are the number one cause of death in the world? And don't take, just take my word for this. These signs that Jesus spoke about, you Google them. You see the statistics. He talked about violence. I want to tell you, friends, that violence is stalking our streets. I, I, I really believe that we're on the brink of something in our nation where violence is going to break out in our streets. It's happening in Paris right at this moment. Happened yesterday. Headline news. We're on the verge of violence breaking out in ways like we've never ever seen it before. He talked about wars and earthquakes. There's always been earthquakes. There's an earthquake now in Iceland, is that right? Volcanic eruptions. It's always been them. But you look at the statistics of how many earthquakes are happening now. It's gone from there right up here. The signs are accelerating. Last year you witnessed the wildfires. This year we witnessed the wildfires, didn't we? Most of you are burning. The Bible talks about these days. Talks about hurricanes. Talks about tsunamis. Nations in distress because of the roaring of the hurricanes and the tsunamis. Nations rising against nation. Ethnic cleansing. Pestilence. Pestilence. We've lived through COVID. Let me tell you, that's not the end of it. That's not the end of it. These are just the beginning of sorrows. Famines, distress of nations with perplexity. Friends, don't just take what I'm saying or what the Bible says. If I had time, I would show you some graphs of how every one of them is escalating. In other words, the voice of these signs are getting louder and louder and louder, announcing the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another sign Jesus gave, he referred to the days of Noah. And he said, just as it was in Noah's day, so will be the days when the Son of Man comes again. For as it was in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the very day that Noah entered into the ark. He said, as those days were, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Wickedness, violence filled the earth. God looked down and he couldn't find any righteous the hearts of men were totally depraved. Paul writing to Timothy, his young protege, he says this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, just like they were in the days of Noah. Times of great stress. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthoughtful, unholy, 
unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, people without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. People who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. People who are always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. People who resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds. Friends, in these last days, men will be lovers of many things. But let me say, they will not be lovers of God. God has been taken out. He's been taken out of the schools. He's been taken out of society. He's been taken out of the fabric that once made our nation great. There is no fear of God before the eyes of people. There will be an increase of sexual sin. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Friends, can I say it was destroyed for more than homosexuality. It was destroyed because of perverse sexual sin. And I want to say it's everywhere. It's on the internet. Can you remember Mary Whitehouse? Boy, what would she have thought, eh? If she was to come back today. It was bad enough in her day. I can remember her campaigning about what was coming on the TV. That was just the tip of the iceberg. And now, friends, it's everywhere. Once you had to go into a, a shop, and on the top shelf, there was these, the books were on the top shelf. Can you remember? Yeah. The adult books. Now they're right in the face of people. Just have to put the internet on, and you can find it anywhere. People, friends, who get mixed up in this, they go on a downward spiral of depravity. Just as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And these signs are accelerating. The voice is getting louder and louder and louder as we are approaching the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Dave has been talking... Luke's dad, Dave Taylor, he's been talking about the book of Daniel a lot as we've been looking at Revelation. And he, we studied the book of Daniel in our, our last SSE. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, Daniel speaks of two signs that will happen as we see this day approaching. The end of, 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 of um, this present age. Daniel 12 verse 4 says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Two signs. He speaks of travel increasing. People will run to and fro. And he speaks of knowledge one time it took three months to travel from the USA to Europe. Now you can do it in nine hours. 
just over nine hours. In Jesus' day, it took 250, let me get this right, 250 years for knowledge to double. So every 250 years, the knowledge that was in the world, it doubled. In 1945, it doubled every 25 years. In 2023, knowledge today doubles every 12 hours. Until the 1900s, all of civilization used horses and animals, buggies and boats. In 1902 was the first public production of the car, 1902. The first commercial airline, it didn't fly until 1939. Now, it took, it took three months to go, go from the USA to Europe. Now you can do it in nine hours. Travel friends now. When I was a kid, if people went abroad, it was, you know, people don't think about it now. People just travel. Daniel says these are the days that will happen in the last days. People will run to and fro. Knowledge will increase. In 1970, the computer was first made public for public use, the computer. 1991, we got the World Wide Web. That became available. 1994, we got the mobile phone. 2004, Facebook was launched. 2006, Twitter was launched. 2010, we got Instagram. And we got information right at our fingertips. All the information that you need to know is right at your fingertips. What would have took you hours and hours to research and find, you can find it now just like that. And here we are in 2003. And what have we had this year? 2023. What did I say? I'm pleased you're listening, Jill. 2023, what have we had this year? Never heard of it. AI. AI. Artificial intelligence, which takes it a step up the ladder of all this knowledge and this information. So much so that our government have had a, um, what do you call them? A summit about the dangers of AI, where it's going to lead to, what it could lead to. I want to tell you, friends, the stage is already set for the Antichrist to rise. 
do you know that every one of us have been traced? They've got our fingerprints, they've got our face. We can be tracked. The stage is already set. Daniel talked about statutes that talk. He didn't know what it meant, but I think we do today. There's one more sign that I want to mention before I finish. That God gives us in his word. A sign that he knew the whole world would say is impossible. So impossible that it could never happen. A sign that the whole world would know that this is God. And he filled the Bible with prophecy about this tiny little nation the size of Wales called Israel. A nation that in the end of days would speak to the whole world. A nation that the whole world would be focused upon at the time of the end or the end of time. What are the chances of that happening, eh? Jesus spoke about it. John writes about it in the book of Revelation. In 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed, ransacked by the Romans. Josephus tells us that 1.1 million Jews lost their lives, died. The rest were dispersed and scattered. By 135 AD, not a single Jew lived in the land of Israel. Israel was unoccupied. It became a deserted land. Its inhabitants were jackals and wild rabbits and wild animals just as the prophets declared it would be. For 623 years, the Ottoman Empire, they occupied Israel. But then they left. And Israel became a wasteland. Something that you might not have realized. 1,935 years went by and there was no Israel. Israel had gone, and it had gone forever. 700 generations passed. 700 generations lived and died without knowing that Israel existed. Oh, it was in the Bible, for those who read it, but there was no trace of Israel. 700 generations lived and died without there being an Israel. No Israel, no Mount Zion. In fact, friends, the entire land was a wilderness, a desert. It was unoccupied, covered by sand. Mark Twain, the famous author, writer, 
He had read about Israel in the Bible, and he was interested. And he, he had a pilgrimage. He went and visited Israel. This is what he wrote in his journal in 1867. This is indeed a desolate land, overtaken by weeds and silence. We never saw a human being on our entire journey. Even the olive trees and the cactuses have all but deserted this worthless desert. Not one single human being did they meet on their entire journey. So what are the chances of prophecy coming true? What are the chances for 200 years there was no Israel? 700 generations had lived and died without there being in Israel. The Jewish people were scattered over the face of the entire earth. What are the chances of God's word coming true? About this little tiny piece of land that the whole world would have its eyes upon at the end of time. In 1939 a plan was hatched a master plan by Hitler to annihilate the Jewish populations. The Jews in almost every nation, there was a population of, of Jews that lived in every, every nation. And Hitler brought this plan to pass where he would cleanse the world from them. And six million Jews were sent to the gas chambers. The word of God had prophesied about this, Ezekiel 37, when the prophet was taken down into that valley that was full of dry bones. And the prophet was asked a question, can these bones live? He says, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They were dead. They were dry. Can these bones live? That great prophecy in Ezekiel 37, we know what happened. The bones came together. And they stood upon their feet, an exceeding great and mighty army, as the breath of God came into them. Zephaniah talks about a language being restored, a language that had been forgotten about. For I will restore to the peoples a pure language. Jeremiah speaks about their, their return. They will come. Those who were scattered abroad, God will bring them back. Isaiah prophesied that in one day a nation would be born. Remember, for 2,000 years there'd been no Israel. And yet in one day, a miracle happened. In one day, a nation was restored. And that day was the 14th of May, 1948. And Ben-Gurion, the stood and declared Israel the state of Israel. In the face of everything that had happened, 
In the face of the annihilation that the Jewish people had had all through the centuries by the Babylonians, the, the Egyptians, the, all those who had persecuted the Romans, now Israel is reborn. Friends, it was one of the greatest miracles the world has ever seen. The rebirth of Israel. It almost been wiped out during the Holocaust. And in 1948, the declaration came that Israel was now the state of Israel. A nation had been reborn. And they came. They came in boats. They came in planes. Some of them walked. Some of them came on camels and donkeys. And all over 70 nations gave up their Jews. And they came. Those who had been scattered abroad throughout the face of the earth, they came back to this little parcel of land called Israel. And when they got back, this forgotten language called Hebrew, they found that they were still speaking Hebrew. They were still reading the Torah in a language that hadn't been spoken, known for 2,000 2, years, was revived. The Jewish population today speak Hebrew. It's their main language. And yet that language had been forgotten about for all those years. God's word came to pass. Israel became the apple of God's eye and is the apple of God's eye. And the desert, this desert wasteland began to blossom like the rose. And God restored the fortunes of Israel. Through the restoration of Israel, God performed a miracle. God says, keep your eye on Israel. It's my time clock. Keep your eyes on what's happening there. Keep your eyes on the signs, but especially keep your eyes on Israel. This little parcel of land, 85 miles wide, 50 mile, 50, 85 miles long and 50 miles wide, something like that. The Bible says at the end of, of, the, of, ta of, of at the end of, the, of the, all this, Israel will be hated by all the nations. Does it begin to sound familiar? You see, friends, if the devil can blot Israel out, he can disprove what the Bible says. Israel will be hated by all nations. Can I say anti-Semitism is ripe today? Ripe. We haven't seen, we've just seen a little bit now. It's going to get a whole lot worse, friends. A whole lot worse. And the events over these, I'm going to wind this up. The events that we are seeing now, this year, October, when Hamas came and did horrible, horrible 
things. The worst atrocity since the Holocaust. And now suddenly the eyes of the world are once again on this little plot of land. Your eyes are on it as well because it fills our TV screens. People are asking a question, is this got anything to do with the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ? Has this war got anything to do with it? I personally don't believe that it is the war that the Bible talks about, the war of Gog and Magog. Gog is a, a ruler, Magog is a land. The Bible talks about Gog and Magog and the Prince of Rosh or the Prince of Russia who will come, in fact it talks about just before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be war in Israel. That's why some people are saying, is this it? I don't believe from the scriptures we can say it is. But I believe it's a prelude to what is going to come. Ezekiel 37 and 38 talk about this invasion of Russia who will come into the land of Israel for booty, for wealth. He's spending all he has now in fighting Ukraine. And he'll come for booty. He'll come for wealth. He will bring with him Iran, Iraq, Turkey, and all the other surrounding Arab nations. Read about it in Ezekiel 37, 38. They're all the Arab nations that surround Israel today. They will come and invade Israel, and there will be war in Israel. I believe what we are seeing at this moment is a prelude to this. And how it will happen. People have asked, what do you think it all means? I firmly believe, friends, that after this is over, this war with Hamas, there will be a peace treaty that is signed. And watch out for that peace treaty. All people can talk about now is the, the, the two-state solution to this problem. There's got to be peace and there's got to be it. And the person who can bring that two-state solution will be classed as a messiah, will be classed as a saviour. Somebody who can bring this two-state solution because in Ezekiel it talks about when this war breaks out, this last war, that Israel will be dwelling safely and at peace. They'll be dwelling safely. They'll be dwelling in their cities completely at rest when this war breaks out. A peace treaty will be signed. It will be for seven years. And I believe the person who will broker that could quite well be the Antichrist. Friends, I really believe that things are going to gain momentum so quickly in these last days. 
the things that the Bible talks about, these 143 prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled, where there'll be the one world religion, the one church, the universal church, the one world church, where money will be governed. Nobody will be able to buy or sell. Money will be a thing of the past. Where the, the chip in the, an, the hand or the forehead where you will have a, a, a number tattooed that will help you to buy food. Everything's in place for it. Can I say this morning, time is short. It is high time for us to wake up from our slumber. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I thank God, friends, that those armies that will surround Israel prior to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, they'll all be destroyed. For the Lord himself will come. When Israel is at its almost ready to give up and give in, he will come in the clouds and every eye will see him. The word of God tells us that they will be destroyed by the word, the breath of his mouth. You ain't got time to go into all that this morning. But it is time to wake up because the king is coming. Malachi talks about days in which we are living when the world will be rocking. And yet he says upon you, Righteousness will arise before the day of the Lord comes. I really believe that God will, is not going to take his church out as it is at, at the moment. He's coming for a glorious church, the Bible says, without spot and without wrinkle. I firmly believe, friends, that we are going to see the greatest move of God that this world has ever seen. The last great harvest will be gathered in. It will be a harvest of men and women from every tribe, clime, tongue and nation. And I really believe, friends, that the days that Joel spoke about, days when God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, I believe those days are going to be before us. Whenever Israel has gone to war, it seems as though God has broken out in the nations of the world. In 1948 was the beginning of the great revivals, the great big tent revivals in America, with the great preachers who brought hundreds and thousands to Christ. In 1967, when they were at war again, we had the start of what we know now as the charismatic movement. When God began to sweep over the nations of the earth, breaking down denominational barriers. And here they are at war again. Could this be the start of what the Bible talks about, that Joe prophesied? I know when Peter stood on the day of Pentecost, I, I, I saw this last night for the, for the first time. When Peter stood on the day, he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel when the Holy Spirit come. It'll come to pass in the last days. 
But then I, I read on. I read on what Peter preached on that day of Pentecost when he quoted from Joel. And he talks about the, what he's talking about really is the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ in the very same passage. You know, we can't take scripture out of context. We've got to take it in context. And he's speaking about this day when God would pour out of his spirit would be a day that just before the, 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 the coming of, the, the second coming would take place. And the things that would be happening on the earth. Jesus is coming. There can be no doubting about it. Question is, are we ready? God's word to us as a church and to you and to me is for us to get ourselves ready. The challenge is, are you ready? Are you ready? If there's any doubt, you need to get yourself ready. It's not a time to be playing around or messing about. We need to get ready. For the coming of the Lord Amen. is at hand. Yeah. The day of the Lord is at hand. And we are to be ready for his coming. Let's pray. Father, I pray that for each of us here this morning, for those watching online, I pray that, Lord, you will cause us to wake up as we see the day approaching. I pray, Lord, that there will not be one lukewarm or half-hearted person amongst us. I pray that, Lord, every one of us will have our priorities right. That in these days we will be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Putting you first in our lives. Putting you first in our finances. Putting you first in our, our families. Putting you first, Lord, in everything that we do. Lord, I pray that any lukewarmness in us, that, Lord, you will set us all on fire. Lord, Luke spoke this morning, right at the start of this meeting, that we are lights in this world. Let your light so shine before men. I pray that, Lord, every one of us will have our lights ignited. I pray, Lord God, if there's any dimness, that you will sweep it away. And cause your name to be glorified in and through our lives. I pray, Lord, that this message of love and reconciliation will be upon our lips every day. Lord, reconciling men and women to you. So we thank you, Lord, for your promises that are yes and amen. And we thank you that, Lord, what you have said, we really believe, Lord, that the day is at hand. Help us so to live that when that day happens, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Luke.